You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. The country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is God's word. Lord, we thank you for your word that's true and that brings life and we thank you that your word transforms us lord i pray that as we continue to go through this series i pray that we would not only just understand the gospel lord but that we would live it and that we would proclaim it lord and um, through the way we live our lives we demonstrate the gospel but also in our understanding lord enable us to proclaim your word eloquently with much grace so that we would be your messengers lord that the messengers you call us to be that you would use us as your instruments lord to bring your gospel message to the world father i pray this that you would lord put an urgency in our hearts lord to preach the gospel for your glory and honor we pray this amen, amen. You may take your seats <clears throat> Okay, um, <clears throat> just a little bit of background here. We see here, this is Peter. Um, <clears throat> um, the characters in this narrative, although in the passage we read, you never heard his name. But as you look at, uh, you look at uh, if you read the rest of uh, Acts chapter 10, Peter was actually uh, preaching to Cornelius and his household. Okay? Cornelius, as you look at it, um, let's go ahead and in verse 1, says there Cornelius um, was, a, was a centurion. He was a Roman officer uh, of the Italian regiment or the Italian cohort. Uh, he lived in Caesarea, which was um, a town. It had a different name before, but, but King Herod um, re renamed that place. And basically, that became the, the capital of the, uh, the, the provincial capital of the Roman Empire, the provincial capital. Uh, and that's where the Roman governor uh, resided. Okay? So, and so the Italian regiment uh, was there. And this, this centurion, who was a commander of 100 soldiers, um, lived there. And it's interesting, his name's Cornelius, and he was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. <clears throat> and um, and and it's interesting that he was named by Luke. Luke was, was uh, the author of the Book of Acts. Okay, it's a continuation of his of his gospel, the, uh, the gospel according to Luke, and this is a continuation. Okay, so the, the Book of Acts, and so Luke uh, there uh, names him, and there have been many centurions mentioned in the gospel narratives, um, but he was one who was mentioned by name, probably because. Uh, of his, you know, someone he was somewhat uh, known among the community of uh, not just among the Gentiles living in Caesarea, but also among the Jewish community there. Um, and so it says here, Cornelius was a centurion, and uh, he was a devout man who feared God. Now it's interesting; he was a Gentile, but he feared God. In the NIV, it says that he was a God fearer. Okay, so now the Romans. Were, uh, were, were very pagan in their religion. They, they worshipped, uh, you know, a pantheon of gods. You know, they worshipped the gods of Mount Olympus. Or you had Zeus and, and uh, Hera. And you had, um, what else? Who else? Uh, you had Athena there. So the, the Greek uh, mythological gods, who actually are, are, you know, are, are no gods at all, but according to their, their, um, to their culture, those are the gods they serve. And so, but, but Cornelius, for some reason, he feared the one true God. 
he was a he was a seeker of the one true God and and this was seen okay in his works you see when you have faith it will be seen in the way you live okay so and so here it was not only Cornelius but it, all his household they were God fearers they feared the God of the Israelites you know they they for somehow for some reason they they um, worship the one true God we are not told why and how they came, he came to this conclusion in his life and how he came to serve or try he feared God and so here he was a devout man who feared God with all his household he gave alms generously to the poor and prayed continually to God you see prayer almsgiving are, are two of the three main practices of piety in um, in Judaism okay the third one being fasting okay so so pretty much he has Cornelius and his household have pretty much embraced the uh, um, the culture of the Jews but not only the culture but also the worship of uh, the one true God the, the, the God of the Israelites the God of the Hebrews the God of the Jews <clears throat> but he was doing this but he did not have that that much of a revelation again there, he was drawn to God, but he did not have a full understanding of who God is. But he was just, you know, um, he saw something among the Israelites, um, and he embraced what they were doing, how they were worshiping. But he himself probably had some questions <clears throat> in his mind. Okay, so, um, and so he was, he was one who was held in high esteem by, by uh, not just the Gentiles because he was. He was a Roman centurion, but also by the Jewish community uh, for all that he does uh, there. Okay, so he was a God-fearer, and he was a generous man, and he prayed to God continually. <clears throat> and this story, <clears throat> we're not going to go there, but let me just give you a snapshot of the story. So here, Cornelius, at one day, at this particular day, at about at around three o'clock in the afternoon, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. He was a Gentile. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him and gave him instructions. And, and basically, here's what he said. Uh, well, it's not there, but let me just, let me, uh, <clears throat> let me read it to you. And um, in a vision, an angel of God came and said to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now... Send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who, who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, it's about, probably it's about um, a little, almost a day's uh, journey, you know, walking from Caesarea to Joppa, and both Caesarea and Joppa are situated along um, the Mediterranean coast, okay? So they both had harbors. So we don't know if they walked or they used the boat, but <clears throat> so here Cornelius gets an experience. He sees an angel. I mean, he's probably heard of angelic visitations from, from the Hebrews, from their tradition, from their Hebrew scriptures, and now he sees one. And uh, so instructed two of his servants and a soldier, faithful soldier, to, you know, to go fetch Peter because that's what the angel said. Go to Joppa and get, uh, look for a man named Peter and have him bring over. He will tell you what you need to hear. So you see, he was a God-fearer, but he was lacking in his understanding of who God is. And see, God is gracious. Okay, so... so Cornelius had that vision and now and he sends those emissaries to fetch Peter but a day later Peter was there uh, in, in, in the house of Simon who is a tanner and so he was hungry so lunch was being prepared so he went up, up the rooftop, rooftop <clears throat> to meditate and while lunch was being prepared he probably was smelling the, you know, the, the lunch being prepared and how many of you know Sometimes when, you're, when someone's preparing lunch, you're not hungry, but when you smell the lunch you're being prepared, you all of a sudden become hungry. So it says that he became hungry and he fell in a trance. I don't know, maybe it was because of his hunger, 
But he was there. He saw a vision as well. This is the next day. This was in, The scene is now in Joppa. And in that vision, you know, a blanket that was being rolled out from the four corners of heaven. And on that blanket it were animals, uh, different animals that were considered unclean by the Hebrews. And then he hears the voice of God speaking to him, Go, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, Never, Lord, I have never touched any unclean thing in my life. No, Basically, this is, this is unclean. These are unclean animals. I'm not going to eat it. Eat any of these. Why did he say that? That was part of his being a Jewish, being, being a Hebrew. And a Hebrew, they have all these unclean animals. And of course, um, you know, um, and in doing that, God has basically said all foods are clean. So, but, he, and God said, do not call unclean what I have called clean. Okay? And this vision happened three times. And it's interesting when, when, uh, when God does things repeatedly, that, that tells you that it is important. Okay, how many of you, how many of you, have, uh, you tell your kids three, you know, three times, you know, if you were a kid and you grew up and your father or your parents uh, told you things not just once, not just twice, that means they are re that's something important, right? Right? And usually on, you know, usually on the second or the third, third, the communication, there's, it's not just communication, but there's also going to be a, <laughs> you know, some form of discipline there. <clears throat> so, so Peter was wondering about this vision. And while he was wondering about this vision, the three men that Cornelius sent had arrived. And they were down there looking at, and they've, they've come to the house of Simon the Tanner. And they were looking for Simon Peter. And here... But Peter was there still wondering about that vision that, uh, and what God had spoken to him. And then God spoke, the Spirit of God spoke to him again and said, Go down, Peter. There are, three, there are three men down there. There are men downstairs looking for you. Go with them without question, for I have sent them. Okay, so Peter, being the obedient disciple, goes down, meets the emissaries from Cornelius, and goes with him. Okay, so he goes with them. So the next day, they arrive at Caesarea. And then Peter meets Cornelius and his household. And when he was there, Peter was with a few of his, uh, a few of his friends who were disciples as well. So when they arrived at Cornelius' house, he saw that the centurion along with a big group of people were gathered in his house. And, and here... <coughs> Uh, the centurion basically the Cornelius said four days ago about this hour I was praying in my house and behold a man stood before me in bright clothing and said Cornelius your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God so he was relating this story to Peter send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon who is called Peter he is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner Verse 33, so I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Okay? And remember, the angel told Cornelius, send for him, and he will tell you everything you need to know, everything you need to hear. Basically to complete, you know, for you to have that full understanding of what serving God really looks like. Okay, what it means to serve God, what it means to be a disciple of, of, of God. And so he said, you know, you tell us what you have been commanded by the Lord. So that he was willing. And because of this, so now Peter realized, you know, he was a Gentile. And Peter said, you know, it's unlawful for us Jews to, you know, to even go to a, uh, you know, to a Gentile's house. You know, but now I realize. The vision that I saw yesterday. It's not about just the food. It's about the Gentiles. Because you see, the Hebrews, because of their culture, they became ethnocentric in the in in sense that, you know, um, 
they thought that they were the exclusive people of God, that everybody else, all the, the non-Jews, they call them Gentiles, are not favored of God. When in but they've, the entire Jewish community have missed the point. The point of God choosing a nation is not so that they would be exclusively His and that the, all the other nations would be cast out. No, He, was, he chose the nation of Israel and had a covenant with them so that they can be displayed before the world to be an example to all the peoples of the world proclaiming to them this is what it looks like for a nation to be under covenant with God. And so they were to be a template. They were to be an example for the other nations to follow. But the Jewish community saw it differently because you know, all of us we're, we're imperfect people, we're finite beings, we're limited in our understanding, and many times our perceptions of reality are based on our own cultural lenses. There are things that affect the way we see the world, okay? And we become ethnocentric, right? Uh, how many of you uh, encounter other cultures? And here in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, this is a very culturally diverse region. And I'm pretty sure you've encountered uh, different uh, ethnicities, different cultures, cultures other than your own. And sometimes, just be honest, some of you wonder when, when, when people do things differently, for you it's weird, but for them it's perfectly normal. And you go, that's weird, right? And then the other culture looks at you and goes, you're weird. <laughs> you know? And so, no, you're weird. No, you're weird. <laughs> Um, you don't understand each other because we, we interpret the world, we have a worldview based on um, certain lenses. Okay, so our perception of reality is actually limited. Okay, so, and that's why it's important that we grow by revelation. Revelation from God. And even understanding the scriptures, we are not, again, we're finite beings, we cannot fully comprehend everything. That's why we have to be engaged in knowing God for the rest of our lives and for all eternity. Okay? We can't say that we figured God out. We know the best. We know the truth, 100%. And, uh, you know, I know the truth and you reject everyone. And that's what the Jews did. They rejected all other nations, all the other cultures, thinking that, hey, we're the people of God. You know, you stand aside, make a way for us. You know, we, we're it. Uh, what we're supposed to be given as a blessing to the world, that was the, Abra the covenant Abraham, God made with Abraham. You know, the father of the Jewish nation. You will be a blessing. You'll be a blessing to the peoples of the world. But the Jews did not fulfill that. They kept the blessing to themselves. And so, through, through centuries of that kind of thinking, they became ethnocentric. And they've pretty much been defined by the traditions that uh, their religious leaders have, have um, established. And some of those traditions are actually, you know, are not really aligned with God's truth and God's heart. So, but it makes for good piety, okay? Um, so Peter said this, it's unlawful for us. And now I realize what God is speaking to me. It's not just about the animals, the unclean animals. It's how I see the world. That I'm clean because I'm Jews, I'm Jewish, I'm a Jew, and you're unclean. And, then, and Peter remembers, recalls what God said to him, do not call something unclean that I have called. And that's why, and here, G Peter, um, this is amazing. Um, <clears throat> so here, <clears throat> Peter and the apostles have been, have been commanded by Jesus in Matthew 28, before he ascended to heaven. Jesus said, what was his command to his disciples? Go and make disciples of all nations 
in Mark, in the book of Mark, the same great commission is rendered differently. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. In Acts 1.8, uh, Jesus said to, him, to them before he ascended, wait for the Father, wait for the gift the Father has promised. For you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, up, comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in the, all Judea, in Samaria. Now, Samaria is no longer a Jewish country. These are um, hybrids, half Jewish people and half non-Jews. So, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I will be with you. So you see, God's heart from the very beginning when He made a covenant with Abraham, actually when He created mankind, when He created everything, God wanted to bless all the, the entire world through His representatives. And His repre representatives are humanity. That's why in all of God's creation, we are the only ones created in His image. We are to be His representatives. But because of sin, we, we, we disobeyed that mandate. And so the Jewish nation also became ethnocentric. But you see here in, G, in the beginning, in God's covenant with Abraham, where God, Abraham's um, children will be a blessing to the whole world. And the Jews kept it to themselves. And then here Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. Go into all the go into the into all the world, and preach the gospel, and then you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So you see the heart of God here, right? But Peter and the apostles, as they've been commanded, since Jesus' ascension, up to this time, it was not like a few months. This has been like uh, some. Bible scholars say it's been it's like it's a period about three to, between three to ten years had passed okay so and um, from the time Jesus sent it into this time we're looking at right now with Cornelius and <clears throat> Peter and the apostles concentrated the preaching of the gospel only to their fellow Jews there had been preaching of the gospel in Samaria and that was because of the persecution in, of the church in Jerusalem that started with the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And they were forced to go out. They were being hunted down so they went to Samaria and as they went to Samaria, they preached the gospel and there were people who believed there. And then there's also in Acts 7 and 8, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was Philip. Philip was supernaturally transported by the Holy Spirit to meet an Ethiopian on his way back. Okay? An Ethiopian was reading from the book of Isaiah and then Philip, what you read and hear right now, let me tell you. He explains the gospel of Jesus and the Ethiopian eunuch became a believer and said, look, there's water there. Why should I not be baptized right now? On the road, the moment he believed, he said, there's water, baptize me. So that was, that was, again, but that was a, um, a rare occurrence. But God's heart had been always to bring the gospel to the non-Jews. There, there is relevance to us here today as we look at this, this uh, story. <clears throat> but up to this time, Peter and the apostles have not been, you know, they've been focusing on the Jewish people. And God had to work out a super you know, supernaturally work out the circumstances to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And this is the, pre the preaching of the gospel to, the, to a Gentile family. Okay? <clears throat> As Peter bade the vision from God, the Lord opened the door for the gospel to be preached. And then in verses 37 to 41, <clears throat> are we there? I think we're there. Let's see. Verses 37 to 41, there you go. <clears throat> uh, verse 37. Please. Peter preached the gospel to Cornelius and his household. So now, uh, you yourselves know what happened throughout. So basically here he said, 
Okay, here's what you need to hear. Okay, remember the, what the angel said to him, to Cornelius? He will tell you what you need to hear. Now here, Peter said, okay, this is what you need to hear. You know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism of John proclaimed how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Okay, and uh, next verse. And we are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. And usually when you say they put him to death, and that's it. That's the end of the story. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses. Who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Okay, so he was now testifying okay, about the gospel, about Jesus. So here, um, I want to highlight a few things here that's, that, that, that we can pick up. So what's the, what's, what does this have, the story have to do with us? Remember, God's, there is a, what we call a meta-narrative. The narrative of scripture, the, the, the biblical narrative of redemption. That the story of redemption, the story of history. And we are part of that story. Okay? We are all part of that story. And our encountering that redemption, that, that the, our encountering of Jesus Christ is a wonderful, you know, it's, it's a tremendous narrative. We all have our own narratives that's, that make, that, 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 that's part of the entire meta-narrative. That's why this story has a connection with us. Okay? I'd like to share I'd like to share some thoughts and one of the themes one of the themes that is so obvious in this story in this narrative is the theme of the gospel okay the theme of the gospel of Jesus Christ okay I think we have that there so go up <clears throat> there you go yep this is the theme the theme of the gospel of Jesus Christ okay so let's go back to point one. <clears throat> uh, there you go. Some thoughts. Some thoughts on the theme of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news. And that's what the good news of Jesus Christ coming, you know, to, um, to save us from our sins and paying the penalty for our sins by dying on that cross. Some thoughts. First, <clears throat> first thought is this the gospel is for all people not just for a certain race it's not just for a certain group of people now when when in matthew 28 it says there will make disciples of all nations when we read that today we think about nations how we understand nations today how we understand you know geopolitical nations how they are you know, organized in the world today. That, that like, we think of in terms of nations and countries. Of, you know, the nation of Bhutan, the nation of Ethiopia, the nation of the United States of America, the nation of uh, Cambodia, the nation of the Philippines, the nation of Vietnam, the nation of Canada, okay, the nation of Texas. I'm just kidding. <coughs> Some of you thought that was really Texas is a nation. <laughs> Some of those Texans really think they're a nation. <laughs> it's a, <clears throat> but anyway, but when we, we have to understand it the way they understood it at the time of the writing. So when you talk about nations here, it's not talking about the, these geopolitical na uh, nations that we've classified. It's talking about people groups. People groups. That's why what we refer to as the Native Americans here in the United States. They, you know, they don't call themselves American Indians. <laughs> It's, it's the Westerner labeling them Indians. They did not call themselves Indians. Okay? They called themselves by their tribal name. And they considered their tribe not just a tribe, but a nation. That's why grouped them together, the, the Native Americans, they, call, they, they are called First Nations. I mean, we were here before all you guys. <clears throat> right? Before the white men came and before all, everyone else came. In the United States of America is a nation of immigrants. But before all these immigrants came, 
they were the First Nations, the Sioux, the Cherokee, the Mohicans, you know, um, all these other um, Native American tribes, they're called nations, okay? The Apache, even in South America, you know, you have the Mayans, the Incas. So those are nations, people groups. So the gospel is to be proclaimed to all people groups, right? <clears throat> the gospel is for all people. Peter realized that. Peter realized that. He said, now, uh, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, referring to Jews and Gentiles. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. <clears throat> and look at this. Uh, as a word... As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. He's not just Lord of the Jews. He's Lord of all. He is Lord of all. So now he's beginning, beginning to realize. I mean, he took, it took him several years to get what Jesus spoke to them plainly. Go and make disciples of all people groups, not just Jews. Go, to, go, to the, go into the world and preach the gospel. That you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It took him several years to, to get it. The penny dropped. Okay? The gospel is for all people. Romans 10. Okay? The apostle Paul said this. But the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And when he says everyone, it's not just Jews. And he's talking to Romans here. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, or Jew or Gentile. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him, whether you're Jew or Gentile. As long as you call on God, he will bestow his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This salvation that Jesus offered began with the Jews, but it was not meant to stay with the Jews. It was meant to be received by anyone who would believe. Anyone from any nation. Okay? So, Cornelius was a Gentile. He was a God-fearer, a worshiper. He was sincere in his piety. But he lacked the understanding. So what was happening with Cornelius at this time before, he, before Peter preached to him? God was already at work in his life, in his heart, and in his family. His understanding was limited, yes. But the grace of God was already at work and preparing his heart, preparing him all these years, preparing him to receive the gospel at the appointed time. You see God, Romans, you know, 828, God works all things for the good of those who love Him. <clears throat> he was a worshiper. And, then, and God's grace was already at work in his life prior to his salvation. Now, John Wesley uh, called this activity of God's grace in the life of the unconverted, the life, the life of the unbeliever. Prior to their conversion, they, he calls it prevenient grace. Yeah, a little bit of theology there. Prevenient grace or preceding grace. The grace that precedes conversion. The grace that works in people's life to prepare them for their encounter with God. <clears throat> okay? How many of you felt that? I felt that. You know, I because of my inordinate fear of death when I was young I tried to be religious and then I couldn't I tried to look for my purpose in life I tried to look for it in different avenues different areas in parties in academics in, in, in relationships in, um, in friendships in, uh, in, re in religion but I couldn't find my purpose in life but I still said Lord please show me please show me I remember I was praying Lord show me what my purpose is and I would in my limited understanding I would go to the chapel every day Okay, I would go in school. When I get to school, after I park my car, I go to the chapel and pray the same prayer religiously because that's how I knew. I didn't know. I lacked the understanding. But my heart was, God, please reveal yourself to me or I'm going to go insane or I'm going to end my life, which I almost did. 
said, Lord, please. Little did I realize that God was already working in my heart then. And He worked out all the circumstances for me to meet people. And the day that I gave my, my life to the Lord, I realized, I need you, Jesus. I repent of my sins. And, and it, I was just in the room of my, my parents. And I gave my life to the Lord. I put my, allegiance, I put my faith in Him. And I said, you're going to be in the driver's seat of my life. I didn't know what I was doing. But I just turned my life over to Him. You run my life. From now on, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to read your word. And I'm going to try to obey you. Limited understanding. But I'm getting there. And now, God worked things out. To send people to my life to tell me what I needed to hear. So that I would understand and have an encounter with Jesus that will transform me. And that will make me born again. By the Spirit of God. Are you here with me? How many of you could relate with this story? God has been working in my life. Okay? And He sent someone after I gave my life to the Lord and that Saturday, the next week, a friend of mine came and invited me to lunch for some reason, you know, a uh, member of our political party. Just, uh, and for some reason, nobody was available. I was available. I said, okay, let's have lunch. This is in, in, in college. And I related to, to her this story. You know what happened to me last week? Something happened. I started talking about Jesus and what I have encountered, what I've experienced. And she said the same thing. You know, I experienced the same thing. And that's why I've, you know, I've noticed something different with her, you know, um, those past few months. Something's different with this, with this woman. And no, I noticed. And then she relayed the story. She experienced the same thing. You did. Yeah, you know what? Let me introduce you to someone who will help you understand what you went through. Great. And so he she introduced me to this guy. This is when I was 17. For those of you who don't know, this is Joel Belangdal. Okay? Joel Belangdal. This is in our college days. Ray Ban Boys. The guy who with long hair here and plays the bass. He's one of our leaders here. He preached, he explained the gospel to me. And it made sense. Yes, that's what I believe. That's what happened to me. Yes, I agree with what you're saying. And when he, when he said, if you put your faith in Christ, you'll be born again. That's how I felt. I felt like I was born again. Wow. And I was rejoicing every day. And so he said, okay, let's do this. Let's meet, let's meet in uh, three days, uh, you know, in, in three days for our next, uh, our next uh, talk. No, let's meet tomorrow. So I wanted to meet with him every day. But this is Joe Belangdal. He's my, one of my greatest friends. He's not here today. Uh, celebrating Father's Day with his brother who from Utah came here. So they're, they're somewhere. But we go back a long way. Okay? That's Joe Belangdal, so when you see him. But you see, God has been working in my life. You know, um, I was seeking Him but did not have the full picture. But I began to understand God had prepared me by His prevenient grace, according to John Wesley, to prepare me to receive His saving grace, the salvation. And again, this is all the grace of God in different stages. One grace of God in different stages. I received the saving grace of God. So thank you, Lord. Which leads me to my next thought. Okay, It's about to wind down here. Next is the preaching of the gospel is every disciple's responsibility. So we can see it here. Peter said he commanded, Jesus commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judged of the living and the dead. It is our response as disciples. It's our responsibility to preach. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says this, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have not he never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? We are sent by God to preach His gospel. How can they hear if we don't preach? If somebody didn't preach the gospel to you, would you have understood it? Probably God would have appeared to you supernaturally like He did with Paul. But we still need people to tell us. That's why he entrusted this message to his church. Okay? 
The preaching of the gospel is every disciple's responsibility. Look at the person next to you. Ask that person, are you a disciple of Jesus? If they say yes, then tell them it's your responsibility to preach the gospel. <laughs> tell them as well, it's also my responsibility. Okay? Whose responsibility is to preach the gospel? The pastor? Just the pastor? Or the victory group leader? Whose responsibility to preach the gospel? Our responsibility. Okay? And my third thought, and then I'm going to conclude, is this. The gospel brings the message of forgiveness in Christ. People receive forgiveness as they hear the preaching of the gospel. As the gospel is preached to them. Peter said in verse 43, In him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And here's what happened to Cornelius. He had been believing. God's been working in him. And Peter was still preaching. He hasn't even asked the question, Do you want to repent of your sins? Do you want to give your life to Jesus? Before he even did that, God was already working. And as Cornelius and his household were were hearing the message of Peter, the, the preaching of the gospel, they were being convicted and probably in their hearts they said, yes, Lord, we believe. And they put their faith. Why? Because here, in the, in the succeeding verses, after, while Peter was still preaching, okay, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit just as Peter and the disciples were. That is a mark of salvation. When, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and baptizes you that 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 that, that means you've received the gift of salvation okay so here and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with peter were amazed because the gift of the holy spirit was poured out even on the gentiles wow god gave the holy spirit to the gentiles not just to the jews wow now it's it's not just ours anymore for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling god then peter declared can, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Cornelius' household was saved. You see, it was God who knew. It's only God who knows if a person is saved. It's not, okay, did you pray the prayer? If you pray the prayer, you're saved. No, it's God who determines that. And he determines that. And he made, it a, he made the point by baptizing these people in the Holy Spirit. Wow. As we conclude, the preaching of the gospel is the business of the church. The church in her early years preached the gospel only to the Jews, but then they were led to preach to other nations as they were, pers as they were persecuted and even driven out. But they got it. They began preaching to, the, uh, to other nations. The church, the gospel is preached to the nations in the Mediterranean. And God's had to sovereignly work things out. And that's why it reached us today. How many of us are Jews, Jewish people here today? None of us. I don't think any one of us here. We are Gentiles. And we believe the gospel. Why? Because the church was faithful in preaching the gospel to the nations. And we continue to preach the gospel to the nations. So my question now is, as we begin to land this what could be barriers to our preaching the gospel today could it be a culture why is it that we only preach the gospel if we do preach we preach only to people we're familiar with people of the same culture we don't want to go to other cultures we don't want to go to, he's, he's not Filipino you know or he's not this he's not Asian you know, he's, he's really different or maybe not in a race-wise, you know, different worldview. He's an atheist. I, wanna, I just want to preach to people who know God. You see, what's, what are the barriers? It's time to ask now. Peter had that revelation. I now understand. You know, I'm keeping the gospel only to Jews, but God wants it. Also for the Gentiles. I need to change. So what needs to change? Maybe your prejudice. Prejudice against other cultures. Prejudice against other ideologies. 
you're prejudiced against just how people look or by the color of their skin or just by their culture. Maybe they don't speak. What is it? Should you use those as excuses not to preach the gospel if you are a disciple of Christ? What about the business of I can't preach because I'm so busy, I'm working, you know, I have three jobs. Why do you have three jobs? Well, because I have this mortgage to pay, you know, so I have like five cars and a six-bedroom house. No wonder. No wonder you're tired. You're be you're 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 like a slave. You're Okay, so now, what's your excuse? Business of life? I mean, you're so busy. I mean, are you exempt? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the general manager of this branch. I mean, I'm, I'm the, one of the busiest people on earth. So that means you're exempt from preaching the gospel? Are you exempt from preaching the gospel? No one is exempt. If you call yourself a disciple... It is your responsibility to preach the gospel. If Jesus is indeed Lord of all, then there should be an urgency in our hearts to preach the gospel to all nations. And we have to learn to drop our prejudices, our cultural differences, our barriers, our perceptions, and we have to tap into the heart of God, just compassion for the lost, even if it's someone different. Do we have that heart today? Let's all stand as we can right now. Whose responsibility is it to preach the gospel? It's ours. So I'd like to end with this. The preaching of the gospel is a responsibility and a high priority of the true disciples of Christ. If we are His true disciples, then this is a part of our life. That our work is not separate from the kingdom. Our workplace is our mission field. Our family, they are our mission field. Our neighborhood, that's our mission field. We, we live there not just to build our own kingdoms, to build our own dreams. No, we are there for a purpose. And that is to be the messengers of God. If you are a disciple, and you don't have preaching the gospel a priority. You need to repent today. And I'm not putting a guilt trip here. This is the most important message that the world needs. And you have it. And for you to keep it to yourself and have an excuse to say, I'm exempt from preaching, that is the height of hubris. That's the height of pride and arrogance. You need to repent before God. But if you're already doing this, my prayer is that may God continue to open your eyes more and more. That you would have His compassion, you would have His heart. That your heart would beat His heartbeat. That it would beat for the, that it beats for the loss, and you say, "Yes, Lord, here am I. Send me, use me." When you look at someone, you don't see culture, you don't see differences. You see a lost person whom Jesus died for. You see that person through the eyes of God's love. That's what we need. How many believe we need this? Let's pray right now. Father in heaven, first of all, we repent if we put aside the kingdom for our own kingdoms. We put aside the message of the kingdom for our own image. We're building our own image. We're building our own lives. We want our lives to be successful. And then we even think that we could separate our life with church life or the kingdom of God. Lord, help us to see that in you we live and move and have our being. That is like, just like what Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And I am compelled to preach the gospel because of his love for the people. It wasn't, if it were not for people who responded to your call and preached the gospel to others, I would not have heard your gospel. So Lord, I pray that, Lord, I, we repent if we've not made this, the preaching of the gospel, understanding it and preaching it and living it, if we've not made it an, a, a, a priority in our lives. Lord, I pray 
that you would cleanse us from any lesser purpose that we're pursuing and help us to fix our eyes on you and help our hearts burn for you as a thank you for the salvation you've given us. Lord, the people out there need to hear your gospel. They need your message. And we have it. Lord, here we are. Cleanse us and use us. And may you continue to open our eyes that everyone we see, Lord, <clears throat> that a heart with Christ in it is a missionary. A heart without Christ is a mission field. I pray that every non-believer, non every lost person we meet, that we would have the compassion to reach out to them in God's love and the message of the gospel. Use us to be your instruments to bring them, to proclaim your word and to bring them into the kingdom by your grace, by the power of your spirit. Empower us with your word. Help us understand the gospel more and more that we may proclaim it boldly by the power of your spirit and for the glory of Jesus Christ that all will be reconciled to you. Lord Jesus, here we are. Use us for your glory. Point of application as we dismiss here this morning. You don't have to go out, way out there and preach the gospel. Start where you are. With your friends, with your co-workers, with your schoolmates, with your neighbors, with your enemies. Start showing the love of God to them. And ask God to open the door for you to preach the gospel to them. Not just through your words, but through your life. The way you live your life. Amen? Let's pray one last time as we dismiss. Lord, I pray that you anoint your people. Lord, just as you anointed the people in the book of Acts, Lord, as you scattered them, Lord, they preached the gospel. You anointed them to preach the gospel. Anoint your people to preach your gospel, even to the ends of the earth. But let them begin in their mission fields here and now. And give them the words to speak. And Lord, let them bear fruit in the lives of the people whom they will lead into your kingdom. And Lord, I pray for great fruitfulness in this endeavor. Give us an urgency in our hearts to preach the gospel to all people's honor, beginning in our Jerusalem. Lord, we thank you and give you glory. Lead us by your spirit in this endeavor. For your glory and honor, we pray. Amen.